Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Tuesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harrod here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Hope you all had a good long weekend out there, at least for the market watchers and, and those in the financial industry. As yesterday, U.S. markets were closed, not any of the international markets, just U.S. markets here. I know a lot of you probably had work, though, as well. Uh, but hope you got a little bit of a mental break there for yesterday with the markets closed here. And it certainly was an interesting day to kick off the week here for our U.S. indexes. Not necessarily the good kind of interesting, but we still see a number of reasons to remain bullish here. The main story of course, continues to be Russia, Russia, Russia. I mean, <laughs> they will they will talk about this country as much as they possibly can here. Biden today spoke during market hours, which typically isn't very good for our markets, uh, but not, not necessarily awful today, as Biden announced sanctions against two Russian banks in response to Putin's speech over the weekend saying that you know, they were going to take some land back from Ukraine. And in all reality here, if you've been tuning in with us, you know, this has been our our view on it since the beginning that this what these sanctions appear to be nothing more than a slap on the wrist, really. Uh, you know, it talked a big game, but really the view that we have is a simple one. The left, the Democratic Party, remains the party of pure projection, right? Whatever you're doing, say that the other side is doing. While saying that Trump was the one in bed with Russia, I mean, the evidence is so abundantly clear that that it really is the Dems doing that. Whether it's Biden's son getting heavy payouts from Ukraine and leaders over there to Obama letting Putin take over Crimea and annex Crimea uh, in 2014. Really... They seem to be the ones who make Russia and Putin's life even easier and easier and really seems to be nothing more than a show here. And this specific scenario, we think will probably lead to Russia receiving the land that they want in Ukraine. Again, just like how uh, Russia took Crimea under Obama and there will be little to no blowback from the rest of the world. They're going to talk a big game, though. And that's why it is a win-win in their eyes here. Biden gets a wag-the-dog moment, making him appear tough, taking a tough rhetorical stance, and it is only rhetoric. Uh, highly, If something came of this, I'll be the first to admit that I was wrong, but I highly, highly doubt that. Even in his speech today, Biden seemed very clear to say specifically that the U.S. is committed to defending NATO territory. Well, Ukraine is not a part of NATO, so he's not committed to anything to do with the Ukrainians and their border. Uh, so he's already opened the door there for his out if they do nothing to defend Ukraine, which, I mean, shouldn't be too, too you know, surprising here if you're really paying attention, objectively paying attention here. But in all honesty... This whole scenario means almost nothing to me. It's a blip on a radar at best. 
really probably shouldn't have spent the first few minutes of this podcast talking about it. Let's be very candid here about this. Why should we care at all about a border halfway across the world when we leave our own border here at home unprotected? We've got a border to the south being abused every day the largest levels of immigrants coming in years, coming in with absolutely no vetting whatsoever. In New York and California, you can't go to a restaurant without showing an ID card, but you can walk right into the southern border. You can't go to a restaurant without having a proof of negative COVID test. But if it's the southern border, it does not matter whatsoever at all. And then what's perhaps even more frightening is what's happening to our border in the north, where Canada just voted over the weekend to essentially suspend democracy, suspend freedoms, and the freedom of speech by declaring these emergency powers will stay. They voted to keep it. Absolutely unbelievable. And all to shut down freedom protest. They've implemented these powers. They can shut down your bank account. They can ruin your life. Even if you donated to them, even if you weren't there, they can ruin your life. Shut down your business. Shut down your banks. In my mind, that is far more terrifying than what is happening at our southern border, which also is unfathomable. But (laughs) maybe this shouldn't be shocking to me at this point. But there was a poll that came back today, and you know who knows what to what to make of these polls and how trustworthy they really are. I don't know anybody who's ever voted in any of these things, but they took a look at likely Democrat voters. Sixty-five percent of who said they favored Trudeau's crackdown on the protesters. Again, pure projection from the left. They called Trump a fascist. For years. But now when you have actual fascism. They support it. I mean it's absolutely unfathomable. How far we've come to this point. I mean that's just really. I mean every name in the book that they want to call people. Racist, Nazi, fascist. That is what they are. You know here in the US. You couldn't say a word about the BLM protests from the summer of 2020 causing millions in damages, destroying their own businesses at that, you know, community businesses, because that would be racist to do that. But as soon as it's a cause that they happen to believe in, it's, it's justified. And as a matter of fact, we don't just justify it. We support it is what they're saying. It reminds me of a quote. And I actually um, was reading a book over the weekend, uh, part of the Dune series, phenomenal sci-fi read, big sci-fi fan here. I know Kip is as well, but I actually didn't know that this quote was in the book uh, until I read it, but I'd heard it before. And when I went to search it up, I was kind of surprised. I guess it, I mean, maybe it probably has a different source, uh, but a lot of the sources said it was from this book. So anyway, sidebar there. But as the quote goes, and you probably heard it before. When I am weaker than you, I ask you for freedom because that is according to your principles. When I am stronger than you, I take away your freedom because that is according to my principles. That is 
exactly the world that the left lives in there. You know, when, when Trump is in power, you know, just like with the BLM protests, they're just asking for freedom. Just let us get by with this. Let us have our freedom of speech. And that includes burning down cities, apparently. But as soon as the left is in power, they will shut you down without a second thought. Uh, so in my mind, all of these other distractions, whether it's what's happening in Europe, Ukraine, even to some extent China, are all a distraction from things that are happening right here on our shores, right? Maybe not in our country, but that's our northern border. Those are our brothers and sisters to the north, and these things are happening to them. That should terrify many, many people, and even more reason why we need to get out and have this red wave for the midterms here in 2022. And like I said, just seems to be a pure play on projection here. But these Russian fears did stand stocks to the low of the day. Again, just before Biden spoke, we got a little bit of a rally back. Uh, and we were able to finish off the lows of the day for our market. So let's take a look at what happened in our markets today. A uh, lot of fear out there still. The VIX was up much bigger today, ended up only finishing up 3.8%. But the key here for us has been looking at how much fear there is in this market right now. We also saw today the fear and greed index falling back to around its lowest level since roughly September, October timeframe of last year. The put call ratio was above a one, once again, telling us that investors are very bearish here. And as contrarians, we love taking the other side of that bet. No matter what sector you like, we, we continue to see a lot of value out there. And one of the biggest stats that we talked about a lot last week that has us so bullish right now is these results from the AAII Investor Sentiment Survey. Right now, there are only 19.2% of investors bullish. That's the lowest level of bullish investors since 2016. And would not be surprised when we get this week's results back on Thursday if it's even lower than that. But going back to the beginning of the survey, there's just been 31 weeks with less than 20% bulls. In 94% of the cases, the S&P rallied over the next year and rallied big. So over the next following three months, the S&P was up on average of 5.5%. Six months later, over 12% and one year later, nearly 20% gains for the S&P 500. Again, 94% of the time. So that's what we want to see. And we, we think that that's going to be the case here again. And with all of the fears out there, the ones that I mentioned earlier, the markets typically bottom on the expectations of war. Now, once the clarity starts to come out, markets typically tend to rally from there. We really see very little risk from this whole Ukraine situation. Uh, Kip's talked about that a lot as well, that once the first shots are fired, you want to sell your hedges and go long. Uh, that's an old adage from his mentors there. And we think that's going to continue to be the case here. As I mentioned, our markets did try to rally going into the close. Couldn't hold on to it though, but we did finish off of the lows of the day. But the key here being that we held the January 24th lows. As long as we hang above those levels, we want to be long this market. And even, you know, a slight dip below, not talking about a 2 to 3% dip below, but, you know, a, and we touch those levels and get a bounce, 
that'd be a nice double bottom to seam form. But bottoms are, are typically messy. So if you get a few cents below the, those levels, that's all right. Uh, but we want to see the general levels hold here. And so far, they have. So today, uh, the Russell 2000 small caps led the way lower down just under 1.5%. To 1,980. Next up was the Dow, down 1.42% to 33,596. Next up, Tech, down 1.23% to 13,381. And lastly, the S&P, down just over 1% to 4,304. Looking at our internals on the day today, we did get some ugly readings, certainly worse than we would have liked to have seen. But we're still better than what was leading up to the January 24th capitulation lows here as well. But declining stocks did beat out advancing stocks, roughly 4 to 1 negative for the NYSE, just under 3 to 1 negative for the NASDAQ. Next up, new 52-week highs to lows. Some of the weakest we've seen since mid-January. We certainly want to see that improve from here. Uh, not good numbers there. But again, bottoms are typically very messy. And that is certainly what we have seen here. Uh, lastly, volume came in over four to one negative for the NYSE, just under three to one negative for the NASDAQ. Looking at our sectors on the day, about what you would expect, all 11 sectors finished lower on the day today. Our leader, if you want to call it that, were utilities, real estate, and healthcare, while our laggards on the day were consumer discretionary, energy, and materials. Finally for today, our VRA commodity watch gold now roughly flat on the day, but hanging around that $1,900 an ounce mark. Uh, this is a group that we've continued to remain extremely bullish on, especially when you've got our neighbors to the north shutting down bank accounts, shutting down cryptocurrency accounts at that. You know, for all of the people who talked about the anonymity of cryptocurrencies when they were first coming out and specifically Bitcoin, I mean, that has proven to be a farce. Uh, if you can get it into cold storage, I mean, but then how are you really going to spend it and prove that you have it to people who are buying things from you in cold storage? I mean, you might as well trade in another form then because anything that's not connected to the internet, whether it's gold, silver, or another commodity, I mean, it's essentially the same thing on a smaller device. So, I mean, seeing those things shut down is has been really interesting and really you know, not great for that space in my mind because so many people look to that as a source of anonymity in transacting online. And if there's anything that tells you that we want to stay away from central bank digital currencies, just look what they're doing with cryptocurrencies already. Uh, a CBDC, central bank digital currency, is one of the last things that we want in this world, honestly, because then no matter what your view is, they can shut you down, just like they want to put kill switches in cars to prevent things like a trucker convoy and freedom protest with vehicles. Uh, that is exactly what they want is control and constant surveillance. Uh, so that's another reason there why we love precious metals. So like I said, gold right on $1,900 an ounce now. Silver up 0.65% to $24.14 an ounce. Copper, now down about a quarter of a percent to $4.50 a pound. And lastly, oil down, or sorry, excuse me, up 1.5% to $91.56 a barrel. 
Another area that we do continue to like a lot here really has uh, pulled back a little bit at least from those extreme overbought readings that it got to. Our call remains uh, $100 a barrel. And as we've gotten to it quickly here, and it doesn't look like that trend is changing anytime soon. Uh, so that is a group that we remain extremely bullish on here. And finally for, for today, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin now down about half a percent to $38,000 a Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.